As we come before the Word of God, uh, we want to open our hearts to that. So I invite you to join me as we pray uh, together. A prayer of confession, a prayer uh, that we uh, believe in, a prayer that we would long to see come to pass. If we could have that up on the screen, because I haven't remembered it yet. Um, Myself... No, we're not going to have it. Well, let me wing it and you can say amen. Uh, Father God, we thank you that your word is alive, that it is uh, truth, and that there is power found within it. Uh, We thank you that it tells a beautiful story of who you are, of who we are, and how we're to live. We pray that you would help us to hear it, that we would have open hearts and minds to receive it, And that as a result of uh, hearing your word today, that we would be transformed into the likeness of Christ, never to be the same again. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Speaking uh, again on the Beatitudes this week, and we've started that way back in January, looking at the first four Beatitudes, and today we're looking at uh, the second last of the Beatitudes of, of eight, Uh, So our third week uh, in July, looking at this. And we've come to uh, the Beatitude in verse 9 of Matthew 5. Uh, It says this, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Now that's the NIV translation, uh, those who work for peace. We're all much more familiar with saying, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, Not pacemakers, peacemakers. Peacemakers. Peacemakers, it's uh, not a word we use often, uh, but in the uh, text in the Greek there, uh, the peacemaker, it is one word, it's a singular word there, which is why I think uh, peacemakers, that's how I'll be referring to it, rather than workers for peace. Uh, Peacemakers, Uh, as I was thinking about that this week and thinking about Jesus giving this command, giving the big eight, these are the big eight pillars that the kingdom is is set upon. This is the manifesto of the kingdom. The reason why it's come uh, is to to bless those who bring peace. That's what the kingdom's about. Um, And I came across this quote. It's a uh, quote that I I had to ponder on uh, for a little while. uh, A quote by Douglas MacArthur, who was a five-star general in the American army. He had a big part to play in World War II and the Korean uh, Korean War. Uh, he said this, the soldier above all others prays for peace, for it's the soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and scars of the war. And as I contemplated that, that there was an air of truth about it. It just struck me, yes, it is. Those, Those who are affected by war, those who suffer, those who bear the scars, it's those who, who will yearn most for peace, who feel the real weight of the war, uh, that have to suffer because of it. They're the ones who will long for peace, who will long for a peacemaker, uh, who will seek to be peacemakers. As I thought about that, uh, I thought about our own world. I thought, who are we in in that quote? Uh, Are we soldiers on the front lines? Are we bearing the scars and the deep wounds of, of conflict, of strife, of relationship breakdowns, of, of the wars that take place in our world. Are we living in a time of peace or are we living in a time of war? Now, we might not go as far to say we're living in a time of war, uh, 
but do we live in a world of peace? Do we have financial peace? Is there racial peace? Is there religious peace? Do we experience social peace? Here's one a little closer to home. How about familial peace in our families? Is there peace in our families, in our homes? Uh, Or even more personal still, do we experience personal peace? Or like myself and almost everybody I know, uh, are there places where there is conflict and strife, where we bear the wounds of war in our life? Do we long for peace? Do we long for it? Do we want to experience it? Would we love to live peaceful lives? Uh, Now, for all of us, we can say, look, we we live very peaceful lives compared to many people around the world. Uh, But there's lots of areas in our life where we go, no, there's trouble, there's strife, there's conflict. We could do with a bit of peace. Because when we look to the Bible and, and look at what it means by peace, uh, how we use it in our language is to mean a time without conflict. So uh, you know, peace is, is where there is no conflict, where there's no wars, where there's no fighting. Uh, but the Bible had a much deeper view of peace. So in the Old Testament, we look to the, the language found there. Um, we look to the word shalom, a common welcome among Jews. Uh, and those who spoke Hebrew, you know, shalom, peace be with you, peace upon you. Uh, the, the Islamic you know, religion uses it, uh, the, the word shalom. Uh, that uh, We would talk about God as a, a, a God of peace. Uh, and when it, you, you speak peace over someone, it wasn't just to say, I hope you live a life without conflict, I hope no one comes and attacks you. Uh, it actually meant so much more than that. It was a term used to refer to completeness, to, to wholeness. Uh, that you would that, that that you would have fullness of life, that you would live the kind of life that that everybody would uh, envy, that you would have the blessed life, uh, you know, peace in its fullness be upon you, uh, that you would experience that in your life. That was the Old Testament kind of concept of of peace. In fact, in Numbers six twenty four twenty six, uh, God is instructing Moses on how to to bless the people, how to pray over them. And uh, in this very famous uh, blessing, uh, in Numbers 6, 24, verse uh, 24 to 26, it says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favour and give you his peace, his completeness and wholeness. The New Testament takes that image, though, I mean, that, and that's a great image, isn't it, already? You know, peace be upon you. That, 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 that's a great blessing. Uh, the peace of God rests on you and your life. I, we all want that. Uh, but the New Testament takes this concept of peace and takes it to a whole other level. You see, in the New Testament, it says, yeah, God wants completeness and wholeness and, and peace for you in your life. But it's not until Jesus arrives on the scene that we really get a glimpse of the true nature of the peace that God longs for us. Uh, It is everlasting peace, this peace that that Jesus brings. Uh, Now just think about that for a moment, everlasting. Uh, That it would be with you and never taken from you. That peace would be something that is yours, uh, that, that no one will come along and steal or rob that from you. 
That, that's an incredible thing. That it would be everlasting. Uh, that it's available to all. When Jesus comes, he says, yeah, there's now no longer um, Jew or Gentile. There is no longer uh, those who are in and those who are out. There is just those who God loves. And who is that? For God loved the world. That is all of us. So the love of God, this promise of peace is, is available to all people. And it's not just peace here on earth, but it is a peace with God. It is an eternal peace in the heavenly realms. Uh, Romans 5, 1 to 2 says this about it. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This is a beautiful gift. This is a beautiful message. This is uh, the gospel that Jesus brings. And it, it just should completely blow our mind uh, as far as what is on offer to us here. This place of privilege that is everlasting, that can never be taken from us, that is ours, that is eternal, that is in the heavenly realms, here on earth and in the heavens. Uh, it's just an amazing image what the bible speaks about peace it means something really really significant something we would all want who doesn't want that does anyone want to live without peace we were talking about that this morning um a little bit just Reese and i because it seems that there are some of you out there who seem to really like conflict you seem to like a little distress in your life who who like a little drama um, I'm not one of them. Now, we were saying, um, there's a, a quote Ronald Reagan was quoted as saying um, that uh, if you give a free people a choice, uh, they will always choose peace. Um, but if that was the case, why is there so much strife out there in our world? Why is there so much non-peace out there? Um, now, the answer is not because people like it. Uh, it's because we're so wounded, we're so hurt, we're so broken as individuals. We just can't relate to one another that way. Uh, we act so out of our brokenness that we do hurt and we do insult and we do take offence and we do rub people the wrong way sometimes and are rubbed the wrong way. Um, I've often said um, my, one of my goals in life is to be the most unoffendable person I can be. Um, I, I, I want, like you could come up and slap me in the face and I'd go... That's all right. It's all right. I still like you. You, you want to put it to the test, anybody? <laughs> no, you've been doing too, too many push-ups. You, you'll, whew, you'll cane me. Um, Reese, you can come up with that limp wrist of yours. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll start there, okay? Um, no one wants to live without peace, but yet it is all around us. And as we look at this promise from God... Um, this, this blessing that's on offer, blessed are the peacemakers, you know, we desperately need peacemakers, don't we? People who will bring peace. Um, notice it's peacemaker. It's not peace, peace bringer or peace doer. Um, peace actually takes effort. Peace takes effort. You've got to make peace. You don't just bring it with you like it just tags along like a, a, a stray dog or something. Um, it doesn't just naturally ooze out of us. You have to, to make it. But before we talk about peacemakers, I want to talk about another type of person. I want to talk about peace fakers. 
My name is James Ramsey, and I'm a recovering peace faker. Uh, you see, peace fakers uh, are those who prefer peace over truth. Okay, you hear that? They prefer peace over truth. Uh, because, now, even as I say that, some of us should be going, yep, I hear you loud and clear, James, that, that, that's me. Um, because peace fakers see peace as simply the absence of conflict or argument. And they will do anything not to get into an argument. No matter if there is a a big issue at hand, no matter if there is stuff they're not happy with, no matter whether the the issues that are arising and and the conflict that's building and the tension that's that's starting to to, to be there in, in any kind of relationship, no matter how much conflict there might be, that's all right. I don't want to cause a fuss. I just let let's just let it rest. Let's let's be. I don't want to risk upsetting it anymore. So let's just be at peace. That's not the kind of peace the Bible talks about. That's peace faking. That's a peace faker. Now, to illustrate this, uh, as you reflect on your own relationships, um, one, it's very rare we do this. Um, but if you do ever do take the time to reflect on your relationship, uh, relationships, um, and I'll, particularly for myself, I'm talking about my marriage to Louise, whenever I, I sit there and reflect on my marriage to, to Louise, it's often good to, to share that reflection with her before you share it with others. Um, I remember one time we were at a, um, having dinner with a, a couple and uh, the, the couple were, were newlyweds. Uh, Louise and I had been married for a number of years by now. And, uh, and so one of the couples um, were talking about their first year of marriage and was saying how, um, how lovely it is, this honeymoon period um, that they experienced. And, and so the first year was wonderful for them. They really enjoyed it. Uh, and so from the other side of the table, I blurted out, our first year of marriage was awful. <laughs> Couldn't see Louise's face at this point. I wish I had. Um, I might have stopped at that point and gone, oh, you know, in certain ways. But then it was, you know, lovely. They had beautiful Louise, beautiful. But see, I'd stopped being a peace faker at this point. Um, and so I went on to share how our first year of marriage was so costly for me that I came in and Louise ruled the roost. Um, anything she wanted to do, we would do. Anything she wanted, she got. Uh, we got. Uh, what would you like for dinner t- uh, tonight? Um, you know, and pre-kids, you go out for dinner a lot more. And uh, we had the world's greatest Indian restaurant just up the road from us. Well, the time it was. Um, I kid you not. The, the world's greatest Indian restaurant. But, of course, Louise didn't like Indian. She liked Thai right next door, didn't she? Now, you would think, being a, a lovely couple, married couple, we, we'd go 50-50 or something like that, wouldn't you? Oh, we had Thai last week. Let's get Indian this week. Yeah. Is that, does, does that sound fair? Yes. Yeah, it sounds fair, doesn't it? I would have thought that'd be a reasonable expectation. But what would you like for dinner tonight? Oh, yeah, Thai. Um, well, what about Indian? We haven't had that for a while. Oh, yeah, no, I feel like Thai. Okay, now I'm not blaming Louise for our first year of marriage, okay? I'm not saying she was selfish. I'm not saying she, I'm not saying that at all. Don't hear that. Don't hear that at all. What I'm saying is that she just knew what she liked and she was able to speak truthfully. Whereas me on the other side, I'm just, yes, dear, yes, dear. Don't rock the boat, dear, if that'll make you happy, dear. Yes, dear. Now, there's only so long you can carry on doing that. There's only so long you can sit there with the tension building up. 
with the truth that you know and you hold on the inside and not expressing that. There's only so long you can keep the peace you're wanting to keep while while subduing and and, and kind of repressing the, the truth and what you're really feeling before it comes out. And so after about a year, I just said, enough's enough, Louise. Enough's enough. Now, Louise will tell you, our second year of marriage was the worst year of marriage we've ever had. And she looks at me again, I can't believe you think the first year was awful. It was wonderful. We got on so well. We enjoyed our time. We had some lovely times. I said, again, you had some lovely times, yeah. The whole time, I'm just swallowing it the whole time, biting my tongue. I was a peace faker. I thought what I was doing was building peace, was keeping harmony, was, was, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was a man of honour and dignity. I thought I was noble, doing the right thing. But I wasn't. I wasn't. There's only so long you can fake it. Ephesians 4, 2 is a verse that we should all stop and think on. It says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth. We are all parts of the same body. Great advice, isn't it? You know, I wish someone had been there. James, you need to speak up. You know, if you feel there's this un- un- unweighted bias in a relationship, then speak up. If you feel like you're not being heard or you feel like you can't express yourself, you know, you, then let's talk through that. How can we help you do that? I wish someone had been there to help me, me with that. Um, but it goes on and says, and I think this is the insightful part of Scripture in verse 26, and don't sin. So, you know, speak the truth. But it almost says, and if you're not going to do that, and don't sin by letting anger control you. What happens when we don't speak up? What happens when we just repress and we don't share what is true for us? It it builds up and it can come out as anger. So don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So that's perhaps why Jesus mentions, uh, and if we think about the order of the Beatitudes, the the way that Jesus gives them, um, I don't think he gives them just, oh yeah, that one, that one, that one. I think there is an order to the Beatitudes. I think this is why this Beatitude follows the Beatitude about the pure in heart. That uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Is that right? Do I get that right? I should look, shouldn't I? Um, Yeah, that's about right. Um, Because the pure in heart can have nothing to do with with deceit. They can have nothing to do with anything that's not truthful, the pure of heart. And so knowing that, you can then say, blessed are those who make peace. Because you know they're not going to make peace with something that's not true. That they're not going to make peace with something that's not pure and holy, and right, and good in their life. And so we don't want to be peace fakers, but we need to learn to tell truth. But telling truth takes courage, doesn't it? It's hard to tell the truth sometimes. It's hard to speak up. And sometimes we need help with that. There is nothing wrong with asking for help. Nothing wrong. You were never meant to do life on your own. You were never meant to have all the answers. Get help. Ask for help. Now to peacemakers. 
Because peacemakers are very different. You see, peacemakers, they're prepared to tell the truth. And they're prepared to trust God for the outcome in order to have peace that's worthwhile and lasting. Now, there are peace breakers who are great at telling the truth. They're great at telling the truth. Peace breakers, they'll tell you the truth, all right. And they don't care whether it hurts you. Uh, you know, but here's the truth you need to hear. Um, and, and the relationship's broken. It's gone. Because it's not coming from a sense of love. Uh, but peacemakers, they will share the truth, but they will share it because they believe in a peace that is true and that is lasting, a peace that's worthwhile having, a real peace, a real peace that deals with real issues. When you think of a, a, a mother who has a little little six-year-old and the mother's there sitting at the kitchen her sink doing the washing up and they're looking out the window and their window overlooks the driveway and there's their, their little six-year-old out on their, their little tricycle and they're, they're riding around and yeah, the mother's heart is filled with such love for this child that uh, she just uh, can't help it she just goes oh. she just puts down uh, the washing up dries her hands she goes to the fridge gets a, a nice glass of juice out for the the child and she comes out and, and just comes out and just gives the, the child a juice and the, the child was asking for it. She, she just wants to interact with the child. She wants to be with the child. And there's this lovely moment and, and as the mother goes back in, the child's there, you know, beaming, thinking, is this lovely? It's such a wonderful, beautiful relationship, isn't it, that I have with my mother. Uh, the mother gets back into the sink, um, starts washing up again and looks outside, same smile on her face, watching the child uh, riding the trike and as the child goes zooming past, Straight out into the road, car almost hits the child, swerves to miss. Uh, different story, isn't it? The mother runs out, runs out. There's no smile on the face this time. Mother runs out, grabs the child, <laughs> brings them back off the road and disciplines the child uh, and starts telling the child, you know, with this, this serious, firm voice and tone, uh, takes the child off the trike and brings them inside. The play is over. And... Uh, and the child's left wondering, what just happened there? Like, what happened to the, the loving, nice mother that I had? Um, you know, where's the, the gifts of juice and the, the cuddles and the affection? Where did all that go? You know, what can the child conclude from this? Does the child conclude, oh, my mother doesn't love me? My mother doesn't care anymore about me? My mother's just angry? Well, no. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. You might want to mute it. It's going to be an awful cough. Thank you. Same mother. Same relationship. Same love. And yet love expresses itself differently at times, doesn't it? There's sometimes it's nice to, to keep the peace. It's a, this loving relationship that seems peaceful. But there's times when truth has to be spoken. And sometimes it doesn't seem peaceful, does it? It doesn't seem peaceful. But the mother does it. Why? Because she wants to protect the child. She wants to keep the child safe. She wants to do the right thing by the child. She does it out of love. And she knows that, that what's more important for this child is not to keep the warm and fuzzy feeling that the child's got right now, but that, thank you, that they would have a, a relationship that will last longer than a day. Uh, a relationship that will last them long into 
that child's adult years. And the same can be said of God. And the same can be said of peacemakers. Because they're motivated out of love. A love that will put at risk the status quo of the relationship. For something much greater. Now this sounds great. I mean, who doesn't want to be a peacemaker? Let's be peacemakers, yep. Go lovingly restore relationships. This will be great. Help resolve conflict and tensions and, and, and bring greater health to, to, to individuals and families and, and workplaces and, and the community at large. This is great stuff to be involved with. But I want to give a warning here. Because peacemakers will often be crucified. Peacemakers will often be... Why can I say that? Because the greatest peacemaker this world has ever seen was crucified, was he not? Jesus' primary role was to be a peacemaker. He came to bring peace between God and man. The essential problem that exists for all of us, that all wars, all conflicts, all strife and turmoil flows out of this disconnect between God and man. We completely turned our back on the beautiful... Uh, nature and the wonder of God on what truth was and what uh, you know, God defines truth for us he defines morality he defines what love looks like for us and we turn our back on him and we do it our own way and of course we fall short we fall short in so many ways I don't need to prove this to anybody we know it we live it and so we live in this broken world Jesus comes to earth takes on flesh, becomes like us, lives amongst us so that he might restore relationship between God and humanity. He's the great peacemaker. Not only that, he also has thought beyond himself because he wants to restore relationship between us as well. And he gives us all the tools we need. But he doesn't come. He doesn't come trying to bring warm fuzzies, does he? He's not interested in just being friends with us. He wants to deal with the real issues. The real issues of sin. The real issues of the fact that sin deserves and requires judgment. That someone must pay that judgment. That someone must pay the cost of it. So that we might live with God in eternity, in eternal peace. He's the great peacemaker that people didn't like the message he had to bring. So there's a risk. We can face rejection. We can face pushback. But blessed are the peacemakers. Now if we look to that verse again, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, this verse isn't telling us if you want to become a child of God, you need to be a peacemaker. It's not telling you how to become a child of God. If you want to find out how to become a child of God, you can look to verses like Galatians 3.26 that says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It's through our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and all that he's done. That's how we become a child of God. John 1.12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So it's not saying you become a child of God by being a peacemaker. You become a child of God by trusting Jesus. 
but blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When we behave like a peacemaker, when we are peacemakers, we behave and act like God. We become his children. We don't become his children. We, we are, are his children. It's like we're like God. You're, uh, hey, there's something very familiar about you. Yeah, it's almost, you remind me of God. You know, well, yes, that's right, because I'm his child. Um, my dad and mum are here today. <laughs> People will look and go, oh, yeah, I can see the family resemblance. Um, Louise, for years, when, when I go, uh, we'll, we'll say, you sound just like your dad. And, uh, and I do. Um, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, and when we become children of God, the same should be said of us. That God, the great peacemaker, um, rubs off on us. That we too are peacemakers. We become children of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 19 says, and, of all, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. When Jesus speaks about being peacemakers, surely he has in view here something bigger than just you two who are fighting and and potentially threatening to sue each other. You know, I've come to bring peace to you. Surely God here is saying, no, I've come to bring peace, eternal peace, significant peace between God and people. And that's what we're to be involved with. That we would help people to understand the offer of peace that's been extended to them from God. That they might know what true love looks like. That they might be given the promises and the inheritance and all the rights and privileges that a child has in a family. That they can become a child of God. That we would be like that. I mean, imagine how hard it was for God to come down I'm sure God would have loved to come down and, and talk warm fuzzies. You're so great. I love you all. You're all wonderful people. I'd love to know you. you know, do you want to come to my place? Um, it's really great there. You know, Come on, come on. Do you think it was easy for God to come and tell us all, you're all sinners? You've all got a problem? You have a death sentence over all of you, each and every one of you. The minute you were born, there was a death sentence hanging over you, and there is no way you can avoid it. You cannot escape it. It is the result of the sin the poor choices you've made in your life, the times you've hurt people, the times you've disappointed people, the times you have done wrong and cheated and stolen, murdered. Jesus takes it as far as to say, even when you've had a, 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 a dirty thought in your mind, even when you've lusted or when you've thought angry thoughts towards someone, it's as good as you murdering them or committing adultery. You've sinned and the consequence of sin is death. Do you think it's easy for God to come and say that? Why does he say it though? Why does he come and share that message? Why does he tell us about our sin? Why does he tell us the consequence of that sin? Because he's a killjoy? No. Because it's true. God, a holy and righteous God, who created all things to be good and perfect and wonderful, when it becomes broken and wrong and needs to be thrown out, Come and says, no, guys, I don't want to throw you out. You will be thrown out. 
if you don't do anything about it, but here's a way out. I have come to die in your place. Throw me out instead of them, God, is what Jesus says on the cross. And God says, sure, if they want it. But we have to accept it. We have to say yes. There's only one sensible reason why God would do it. Because he's like that good mother who runs out when he sees that child on the road about to kill themselves. She runs out, grabs the child and says, don't ever do that again, stop. This is wrong. And God does that. He's a loving God. By God's grace, rebel humans come to know God's gracious actions in dying for them so that they might be made into children of God. And those who pursue peace, those who pursue real peace, they have to go with that same message to others. They have to go and be peacemakers and deal with real issues, speak truth to people, to take the risk of rejection, to take the risk that they will be ignored or not heard, to not accept the status quo, not to be a peace faker, but to go that extra mile. It's hard work, but it's blessed work, isn't it? It's blessed work because it brings real change, it brings real peace, it brings eternal peace. Let me pray. Father God, I I just thank you that you are the great peacemaker and that you also understand that real peace means you've got to fight hard for it. And as we look to you and all you've done, both Old and New Testament, we see a God who fights for what is right, who fights to save and redeem people, who fights not just to give us a good life here, but to secure our eternity because we are all eternal beings. We don't just die and disappear in a puff of smoke. We don't just fade away. Our spirits will live on and on and we want to live with you. So thank you for all the hard work you've done. I I just ask, Lord, that you would help me, you would help us to be your children to reflect your love and your glory and your actions in our own lives that we might be peacemakers as well that where we see conflict we would get involved we would step in we would bring your love and truth to every situation Right now, many of us will have areas we can think of. It might be in our home, it might be in our marriage, it might be at work, it could be amongst neighbours or extended family. But we can all think of, of a place where there is conflict, where there is a desperate need for peace. So I want each of us just to, to just take a moment just to ask God to intervene there. Just to pray for that situation. As we hold the people that we care about in those situations, the people we know, Father, we ask that you would help to bring about peace. 
And in that, I want us all to take a moment again just to ask God, what role can we play? How can we be a peacemaker in that situation? Can we speak truth? Can we bring love? Do we need to ask for help? Dear God, as a result of hearing your word, I pray that there would be a great outflow of peacemaking that comes. Uh, As each one of us goes uh, to our our lives beyond the walls of this church, that we would take peace with us, we would take your peace with us, uh, that you would help us to be peacemakers and that we would see uh, a change, that we would see lives changed. I ask it in the name of Christ, the great peacemaker. Amen.